I have always had the best intentions. Someone burned down your house with you inside. Elena, do you know anyone that would do this? So rent is 300 a month, well below market, but it's really not about the money for us. So you rented it to her on the spot, just like that. Do you even know anything about this woman? What is it that you do? I'm an artist. And then you ask her to come work in our house? It is a beautiful thing to know that your actions can affect another person's life. All mothers struggle. Money hides it. <laughs> but you can't put a price on a mother's love. Maybe you should wear your hair down. It's, mom. it's actually your best feature. So is it just you and your mom? Mm-hmm. We move around every few months. She hides stuff just like everybody else. I called the person that you listed as your previous landlord, and strangely, he didn't seem to know you. If you want to live in this house, you live by my rules. Who said you have to sit back and take it? If you don't stand up for yourself, who will? She has completely infiltrated our lives. I need to figure out who this woman is. And I'm that scare us. Did you really think I wasn't going to find out? Parts that we run from. You haven't been honest with me about anything. It's not Parts that we're afraid to look at. You are coming completely unraveled. I am completely raveled. Everybody's going to be held accountable for their actions. I know about your little secret. Are you threatening me? <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to Big Water Anywhere. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review <laughs> over the hit series, soon to be cult classic, I'm sure. Little Fires Everywhere, starring our favorite frowned up face, Carrie Washington. And, I don't know, Little Miss Pris, Reese Witherspoon. I am your host, Rain Coleman. And um, this is probably going to be a summer series for the Carefree Black Nerd podcast, thread, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that. And I have with me today a very special guest. A, um, a phenomenal guest, if you will. <laughs> Please let these people know who is on the mic with me today. Hi, my name is JJ. You will find me on Twitter at Jupiter 24 All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm, I'm, mm. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, before getting started, everyone use the hashtag BWAPod when you're listening to this podcast, when you're watching the program on Hulu or whatever illegal websites you're watching on or what have you. Uh, and let us know that you're listening and follow and all that good stuff. Little fires everywhere. You've seen the complete series at the time of this recording. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Give me if you could wrap up this whole season in one or two words or a couple words. What would you say? What would you call it? Passive aggressive. Oh, oh, passive aggressive. 
yeah, yeah, I can see that. I got a lot of that from the first episode. Um, have you read the book? No. So let me just say something about the book. <laughs> I spend a lot of time reading books. As of late, I've been focused on black literature. Uh-huh. I'm all about the Zora 100 canon. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember hearing about this Little Fires Everywhere book by Celeste Ng two years ago three years ago and i mean it was just white women were going crazy some i saw it on a few women of color lists but it didn't generate the buzz and Mm -hmm. excitement that some of the other titles had done okay so i you know i just i just thought it was white women's nonsense and didn't really think about it so after i saw this series i thought Oh, you should go back mm-hmm. and get the book. So uh, it is a six-month wait mm. in the library. Mm. And the other thing that I found out is that this is truly an adaptation that we're watching. Because in the book, the two title characters played by Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, mm-hmm. both of them were white women. Okay. So when we talk about race, it is really just... Um, there. It comes later in the series okay it is not a black white issue that we see i mean race is there but mm-hmm. it's more so a class issue and yeah I thought that was very interesting that in in this adaptation as we'll talk about that mm-hmm. it is truly an adaptation yes okay okay and i can see that um because you could easily switch out um mia carrie washington's character and family for I think any race and like you said at the beginning this first episode I think will read exactly the same because she's a she's poor you know that's this is a poor woman and her child oh man okay well I think I think that that um but when not to jump too far ahead the one thing about race or one of the things about race was that yes um when Mia and her daughter woke up in the car and the police approached them, Mia says to Pearl, make sure your hands are visible. Mm, mm, I don't mm. necessarily think a white person would think that. Yeah, no, no, this is Poor true. Poor or not, you know? So it, it was, it's, it's the nuanced versions of race where you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think the story wouldn't be as compelling if, they, if Kerry Washington wasn't playing Mia. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's now that you mentioned that I, and I don't know what this says about me or or if it says anything at all. I didn't even remember that line until you just said it. I remembered her saying something like, "I'll do the talking," mm. and I don't even know if that was said. Now that you mentioned this, I'm not even sure if that was said or if I just made that my own Mandela effect myself or something because I remember the yeah okay so okay that's something I'm gonna look out for then um oh ah heavy already (laughs) um so the show opens up uh with a family some kids in a car um kids who turn out to be Lizzie Moody Tripp and I believe that's it and then Reese Witherspoon's character, oh, okay. oh no, go, yeah, Elena. So she's, they're outside. They look kind of bruised. Her husband shows up. I forget his name already. But the, the house is on fire. <laughs> the, 
the house is on fire. Um, I love this. I like when I watch shows and they feel like a book to me. Now, of course, this is based off a book. But for us to start here at this point, yes, TV and movies do the same thing. But this truly, to me, felt like not a prologue, but like I'm starting right at the inciting incident or in the middle of the drama and then I'm going to take you back and lead up to here. So now for me, I'm just excited to see, of course, to watch the show, but to see when does this house get set on fire? Mm-hmm. Who? Um, seeing this white family, um, affluent family, in this space, in its first scene, what did this do for you, if anything? Uh, the setting of it did a lot. Um I live in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I'm a Baltimorean. My father is from Columbus, Ohio. And I graduated high school in 1998. Mm -hmm. So the setting of the show, I was that high school student. Okay. And I went to a Catholic all-girl high school. So in my own little version of Shaker Heights. Mm. So where there weren't a lot of black people and there was, uh, it, it was like a lot of the things that, we see in this episode and what we will see in this series it i was pearl in a lot of ways mm. and so when i saw like okay this is where we are like you said in this freeze frame like i wonder how we got here i did wonder like all right what could these white folk have gone through in the 90s mm. Mm. that got him that got us here yeah yeah mm. so and and then you know the the husband is pacey from mm. Dawson's Creek, mm. I was watching back in the nineties. Okay, so you called uh, Reese Witherspoon Miss Pris to her. I mean, you know, she was a nineties kid too. There was uh, fear, but I really related to her in election. Yeah, and that's and so. Go, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I got something for that, but go ahead. And so I'm seeing these people. I'm like, so Pacey married Tracy Flick. I think mm. that's her name. Yep, that's and it. And they had these kids. Mm-hmm. And somebody does burn the house down. Look. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And again, like I've said this countless times, I would not be me if I did not find a way to make this show part of some larger universe. And you've done a much better job than me. Because <laughs> I didn't even think of the husband. My I immediately went to Tracy from election. I couldn't figure out where I knew him from if it was from the American Pie movies. But I was like, maybe he's not old enough to be... I don't know. I knew I knew his face, but now that you say that, your your uh, weaving together of universes was much better than mine. I was just like, yeah, she was in election, <laughs> but cool. Well, I can just. I'll, let me just say this. I feel vindicated because I watched Dawson's Creek back in the day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I did not ever see it for Dawson. Mm, good. And so I was always about Pacey and. 39-year-old me is, is feels vindicated because Joshua <laughs> Jackson has a black wife. Okay. See? I was right. <laughs> See? Okay. Well, maybe that's, you know, look, he might have a, uh, well, no, let me stop that. I'm Because <laughs> the way him and uh, uh, Mia interact, well, yeah, I'll leave it there. I have thoughts on that. I guess we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. So we go back to four months earlier. This is August of 97. Now this, in 97, I was a, I was a little kid. I was not a little kid. I was, yeah, I was in grade school. Um, That being said, a lot of the music 
the um, imagery, the costumes, a lot of this to me is like pulling up old memories and not anything substantial, just like me sitting in a window reading a book or going to the grocery store with my mom or being out with family. So it's nothing like ground shaking, but a lot of this is really nostalgic for me in a more subtle way than when people do like the um, 80s or 70s period pieces or like uh, if you did a Back to the Future, but you did it now trying to recreate that Breakfast Club Back to the Future look. And I don't know if that's because I was a kid, if that was successfully done, or if they just pulled subtle things and then this is just the um, side effect of that. But a lot of this... I have thoughts. mm -hmm. Go ahead. Because remember, I was that high school student back then. And I I had some issues. Okay. Uh, The music, they had the music, and I like what they did about updating the music with newer versions, you Mm -hmm. know chopped and screwed whatever <laughs> but i mean like there were, i watched tv with closed captioning and they Me were too. mislabeling of songs i was like they didn't do that mm-hmm. um <laughs> mia's hair that mm. was not the the natural hair that is not what natural hair looked like back in the 90s mm. um that's a very contemporary look mm-hmm. for natural hair i mean now uh, we had it because yeah. it was a whole neo soul thing yes it was but and you know so, but Think about what Erica Badu looked like. Yep. Think about Maxwell. Think about what Lauren Hill looked like. Mm. They didn't look like that. Yeah, no. Nah. So, so that was a little. That was like, uh. But you know, um, Pearl. They had her in braids and they had her in curls. Okay, that was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, so they that her hair was fine. White girl's hair is white girl's hair. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like that, that hair was fine. But um, I would say, like, I saw a black kid with a high top fade. I was like, not in 97. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. I mean, you know, first of all, pulling another universe, who was hot right now was Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan was bald. Take a look there, you know, take a look at the players. In the last dance, mm. who had hot top fade? Nobody. Not during the the second half of the three P. Mm-hmm. And you know, think you know, think about who else was the rappers and everything. So you had the the corn rolls. Yeah. You had the I call it the O dog. You had what Lorenz <laughs> Tate had. I yeah. Mean, you had the O dog. You had the perms. I mean, because it was a seventies throwback in the nineties too. Okay. And you know, so I mean, if you had natural hair, it was an afro. It wasn't texturized like that, y'all. So I mean, there were some little things where I don't think they quite nailed the style. So let's stay there for a minute. So with that being mm-hmm. said, how much of this do you think is, and this is a symptom of Hollywood at large? You know, mm-hmm. some articles came out and with about black people, black actors having to do their own hair or to rely on these white stylists. With Celeste being an Asian woman and doing this series, and I don't know how much of a hand she had in the um, the TV uh, Hulu adaptation, but how much of that do you think is just, oh, this is a black look when I Google, you know, black people in 97. Mm-hmm. Ver- like, do you think there was, well, any caretaking and... <laughs> <laughs> getting it okay right. oh you y'all uh see you gonna you don't ask for it <laughs> around that time i was watching young and the restless okay 
Yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm still watching Younger Wrestlers. Let me act like I never stopped. Okay, I'm, I'm still watching Younger Wrestlers. But back then, they had, we had the Winters family, uh, and the four main components. You had Neil, who was played by the late Christoph St. John. Mm-hmm. You had um, her and Olivia, Olivia, who was played by Tanya Lee Williams. You had uh, Malcolm, who was played by Shamar Moore. Mm-hmm. And you had Drew, Drew Silla, who was played by Victoria Rao. Victoria Rao notoriously spoke out about the like black, her being a black woman mm-hmm. and not being able to go into the styling chair and say, I would like my hair on the French roll, please, mm-hmm. and have it done. Mm-hmm. And so, and as a result of her speaking out, about that and saying y'all need to hire people that can do everybody equally they she was labeled difficult mm. she left the show now she also did diagnosis murder in the evening and stuff like that but uh it, it, she, it was very problematic with the bell soaps and with cbs because she was victoria Rao was very outspoken yeah. so when um candace Patton, who plays iris west on the flash or mm-hmm. gabrielle union speaks out i'm like yeah had to to the first person that took a lot of those blows mm-hmm. publicly, and that was Drusilla, aka Victoria Rao. So, as far as Celeste Ng goes, I don't know if she had um, so much say in the uh, the styling and the look mm-hmm. of it. I think that may be outsourced to other people because remember she wrote for two white women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, those those nuances of culture that I'm going to pick up because this was my culture at yeah. the time. Uh, I, I don't know if, I mean, they would just had to have someone like me um, doing authenticity checks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, all black boys in the 80s and the 90s didn't have high top fades. You're mm-hmm. welcome. I'm like, you know, watch BET. I mean, that was at the height of music mm, videos. True. That it really was. Usher didn't look like that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh man. I mean, like you could have just taken a prototype and say, you know what, we're gonna do Usher, we're gonna do Aaliyah. Yeah. We're gonna do Usher, we're gonna do Brandy. Yeah. We're gonna do Usher, we're gonna do Destiny's Shout. Yeah. You know, like I mean, yeah, you could have just done that. Yeah, because there's not that many black people. I mean, Mia and Pearl. We eventually see Lexi's boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly. Ooh, I, and then like the random extras in the school right outside of that as far as as far as I've gotten in the series that's really all I've seen here's the only spoiler alert I'm gonna give you Go ahead. I think that's all we do see and see that I went back and forth with myself for a while after watching episode one and two and I was like well why would you do this show, like it's not comic book, so like with Batwoman, I can, I can, I can make a stretch because she's still comic book, though the blacks are very token and few and far between. With this one, it isn't, but again, of course, I'm focusing on representation in comics and related media. This is a book adaptation. Um, I still felt like I wanted to discuss this show because I think it's different from any of the others that I've discussed on uh, the Carefree Black Nerd platform. And to hear that, it's unsurprising. But for me, this is two black women. Um, per- oh, I'll say black woman and a girl. I think Pearl, is, Pearl she's still a minor, right? I- oh, yes. Yeah, okay. So, um, 
and a lot of oh. shows go ahead I'm sorry we do see some other black people I was thinking about like but we don't see them in Shaker Heights okay okay but so even that I'm sure that's gonna be a thing for me as well um, mm-hmm. and we get a lot of shows like taking it back to Bird Box I enjoyed it but once I stopped for a second and I look really paid attention to what I was watching Trevante Rose was great in that movie but there were no black women in that movie um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I consume that I have to really take a step back and and kind of ask myself a couple questions, which is like, yeah, you can enjoy this. I'm sure there's a privilege in there somewhere, though I am still a, a black man. And to have a leading role, be a black woman and a black girl, be, uh, yeah, I guess Pearl would be leading as well. Um, I don't get a lot of that from a lot of the properties that I consume, a lot of TV and a lot of movies. And so though this is not a hundred percent on brand for me, I felt like it was still important because one Carrie Washington, she going to give you that crying face. She's going to give you a good, <laughs> <laughs> a, a really good monologue. I'm sure she's, she's going to act her ass off and Pearl. So if somebody is Googling this and they end up finding this show, it's another, mm, kind of boost for them though it isn't it what it just makes more sense for me to consume media that if the blacks are going to be token and few and far between at least there's a black woman at the league and so that was my reason not that anybody asked but that was my reason for uh for discussing this show um and i don't give a fuck what mia does or pearl throughout this whole season i'm still rooting for them i'm gonna tell you that up Mm -hmm. front I don't care how crazy. I might talk shit because I know they might act crazy, but I'm still rooting for them. Um, oh, God. Okay, so we we see uh, pretty much a generic, wealthy, white family in a suburban area. Very much the Ivy League cookie cutter. Uh, 4.5 kids, husband, wife, big house. And... Um, it feels very sitcom to me, and it's not. That's not a jab at it. But when we meet them, I feel like if you change the music to more lighthearted music, and then do a freeze frame with their names underneath, it feels like Blossom or Charles in Charge or something like that. It just feels. I don't know if that was intentional, but I did like that we get this nuclear white family, and then we get this redhead stepchild black sheep of it all coming in after we've already established this like cohesive family unit and then Izzy walks in and kind of shakes shit up just by merely being there mm-hmm. um I don't like Elena I do not like her I do not like mm-hmm. her in the hat I do not like her with the cat I do not like her at all um her relationship with Izzy what what are your thoughts or comments on that um that's a classic mother-daughter power struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what it is. And it fits in very well with your 90s sitcom story of the week. Mm-hmm. You have that child that's an outlier. Mm-hmm. And so you know that when there comes a very special episode, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be that child or that child's friend or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Unless they want to go shocking. It's like the perfect child. But mm-hmm. 
that's what I thought, you know, at first. It was like, okay, so she has her mini-me and Lexi, the eldest child, eldest daughter. And you have, and I thought the names were were also interesting. Mm -hmm. Trip, I got, okay, he's (laughs) the third. And then there's Moody. What a name. Right. What a name. And I knew plenty of white girls named Izzy in high school. It mm. was it, it, not as popular as the Jens yeah. and the Kellys. Lord, yes. <laughs> a lot, but I've never heard or had it be discussed that Izzy was a stupid form of Isabel or Isabella. I don't so when either. she said it, I thought, really? That's yeah. a good one for me. Yeah, and that's funny, too, because growing up in a black household, pretty much everybody has, for the most part, has their embarrassing nicknames. Everybody has their just regular nicknames your friends might give you, your shortened version of your name. And I, much like you, Izzy for me was just like, okay, that's her version of Isabel. I'm sure it could have been Ella or Elle or whatever, but that made me question, well, what? How, how do white people handle the naming structure in their own community or is that even a thing do they outside of dig short for what is it richard and bob for bobby and like outside of that generic combinations that date back millennia do they have a sandra whose name is now i don't know cookie because she ate cookies as a kid like how do white people handle that naming i don't know I i don't have that personal experience I don't know but I know that made me think like what the hell what oh, is yeah. the- I, I'm not sure I, I think one of the white we're going to have to pay some white people and what's the hashtag again uh, B- <laughs> BWA pod <laughs> Asian yes. white folk. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so all my Caucasian listeners, um, BWA Pop, please let us know how was the nicknames handled when you were growing up, be it you, your family, your friends, your distant cousins or whatever. Um yeah, that yes. that was that was odd. Yes. yes, tell us how y'all got a June bug in your family. There you go, and not Bubba, because that's everybody got a Bubba, every goddamn body. But yeah, June bug, of course. Um, okay, so we get the I don't know, amazing white family. They go and had a drama, and then we are introduced to Mia via Mia via. We're introduced to Mia by way of Elena's. Uh, um, tip line, calling to the tip line, her nosiness, her fake concern for, um, someone who's possibly homeless. Um, I, when I first watched it, it was prior to the recent bird watching dog walker fiasco. And so I watched, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. She's doing silly shit. But like having a lot of real world stuff happen and then rewatching this episode really had me, (sighs) really had me not liking Elena even more. Um, Now there's one thing I guess that I'm struggling with because if you're in a neighborhood and somebody is there who might be, committing a crime or whatever that's very different but then again what does that even look like so i'm dealing with my own conditioning just from growing up watching tv but something about her calling in to quote-unquote tell on or tattletale on this car before i even knew that 
it was a black person in there or it was whatever. I was like, this is just a car. Like, so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. And this is calling your um, neighborhood watch slash police officers is really, <sighs> that, it, you know, Here's the thing that I thought was really interesting. First of all, her, how great was her eyesight for her to be able to see mm. that there were two black people from that distance? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I could understand her calling if that car had been in the same position for three days. days. Yeah. And even in, in just as a wellness check or something. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I know somebody will. I hope they do. I don't even think we did wellness checks back in the a courtesy mm. wellness checks back in the the nineties like that, and yeah. it's because mm. black person here, you don't send no police to somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a wellness check, you get in the car. Yeah. You call somebody who's close by. You don't send the police the way to, that uh, people do now. Yeah, uh, and say, well, you know, the job hasn't heard from this person in a few days. So yeah. We need to do a wellness check. That that type of vocabulary and thinking that's rather recent for yeah. me. But um, you know, if I saw a car, and and you know, I, I'm just thinking if that person, because think about it this way. I, I, I said earlier that my father is from Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and so when he moved to Baltimore after he graduated college, um, he would have had a whole bunch of stuff in his car, mm-hmm. and he would have driven by himself. And at some point in time, if he got too tired to drive, he may have pulled over, mm-hmm. pulled over, Lord, pulled <laughs> over to rest his eyes. Yeah. Now, you know, after he got refreshed, he would have carried on his journey. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why that didn't cross her mind. Like, yes. OK, it was near the time of college starting yeah. or school starting. August, so yep. why? I mean, there's so many other explanations mm-hmm. other than the fact that Shaker is organized in a way that is comfortable for the Elena's of the world. Yeah, yeah. And so there is this thing that is out of order for me, and therefore it could be nothing, (laughs) but it's also out of order. So, you know, I said passive aggressive, but another word is anal retentive. Are you that person that, or OCD, that's like, I just got to turn that coffee mug. Just yeah. A little to the left. Yeah. Just, 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 just for the aesthetic of it. Just mm-hmm. because it, it's gonna bug me if I don't. Yeah. And and you know, and that's just like, but everybody's life is not yours, and she has a type of control mm-hmm. that's in her house, and then it's extended out into her town. Yeah. And so that out of order thing has to go. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, I hate, and I hate that she's able to wield that power. Just yes. so naturally, and it's it's influ it's influencing it's infringing on the lives or it's inserting herself into the lives of black people. Mm-hmm. I, the whole everything about them, their relationship bothers me. Um, her in particular, her husband seems pretty lax, but we don't see him as much, so Toby. he can <laughs> kind of get a pass. But mm-hmm. for her, she's like actively like you said she has a control issue that shouldn't extend past your family your home and then neighborhood if we're doing like neighborhood watch or organizing an event um 
you gave me a flashback of driving from Michigan to Georgia with my car full of Tupperware containers and clothes and bags and pulling over in Tennessee because it's raining hard, it's night, and I can't see, so I have to pull over. So, yeah, I just, I couldn't imagine. What if somebody called the police on me? Man. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck her. So, <laughs> that's just it. Um, so much like we got the Elena family, we get Mia and Pearl together in this car. They go to the grocery store to buy groceries. They do kind of a, um, what is it, pursuit of happiness type of in the bathroom, washing up thing. Uh, and then they get back to their car. And a lot of this, I have to reprogram my thinking because Mia pulled out a newspaper, which I've read a newspaper. Hell, when I drove to college, I used MapQuest printed out directions. I didn't Mm -hmm. have GPS. But for her to say, oh, this is a home or a house. We should look at this one. I was like, how are you? How are you doing this? Not thinking, duh, there's probably like a neighborhood, um, like a want ad uh, booklet or something at the grocery store. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, well, before we go too far, there was something that I saw uh, that explained to me uh, Mia and Pearl's relationship. Okay, come on. And that was when they were in the line, uh, the store. Mm-hmm. They had something. I didn't really see what it was. And Mia put it back and instead got Pearl the YM magazine. Yeah. And I, see, back then, I had a subscription to Essence, to mm. The Source, mm. to YM. Back then, it was Sassy. There was 17. <laughs> I like, if it was in print, so the, in the beginning of the month, I was getting a library yeah. delivered to my house every month. Mm, because okay. that was back when... Uh, magazines were very very popular yeah and and i i shared to you i think before we started recording i did not have cable mm-hmm. television so my access to what was popular to culture and there was no internet y'all i mean aol <laughs> was just starting yep. to mail out those discs mm-hmm. and i mean to even go even further i did not send my first email until my second year of college mm. So, like, that's way back in the day. And um, so it's, I could understand if if they were living in the car. Yeah. How does Pearl, how, as a teenager who's interested in teenage things, how do you keep abreast there and know those things? Mm-hmm. Through magazines. How does Mia know what's going on in the world? How do they know where to look for, um, for apartments? Yeah. Through the newspaper. So, like. Like the the ways in which we use the internet now, they use print things then. Mm-hmm. And Mia knew her child enough to know that that magazine would nourish her body more than whatever it, it mm. was that she put back. Say that. And so that that that's what I saw about that relationship, and especially that smile. Like, thank you. Yeah. I didn't want to ask, but thank you. Oh, you you said it, and I mean it's absolutely true. Um, back then, I grew up in a better um, financial situation than these two, but it was just the same. If I'm in a checkout lane and there's an Archie Digest, or there's some magazine with some celebrities on the cover, or so, like I that moment, I can put myself in that moment because I've been through that. But like you said, with them two, 
And that's remember not having cable. It's like this show is really <laughs> making me rethink some things, pull up some old memories, move some stuff around. Because I'm well into my being grown as hell, grown, big grown age. And this is, I don't know, <laughs> this is really doing it for me. Um, right. Yeah. So they they that that happens, of course. And she's reading through it, and I've done that as well. I've read through magazines four, five, six, seven, eight times. Comic books mm-hmm. as well, prose books as well. Like I, I remember reading it cover to cover till the book is falling apart. So yeah, that's that was a smart move for me as part. Man, oh god. Um, so we get to the point where we meet officially for the first time. And uh, Pearl and Mia pull up to this house, and there is good old Good Samaritan Elena to show them this house. Uh, what what was your thoughts on the house before we even got into it? What did, or can you remember what you what you mm-hmm. thought about the house? I grew up in a duplex. Okay. And so, except we had both parts of it, but you know, um, it. When you come in a front door, then there's two sides. You go upstairs, you go downstairs, and they essentially are the both design, same design, but um, instead of like two bedrooms, we have like a living room and a a, a family room type of a denish type of a setting, and upstairs with the bedrooms and the other kitchen, we converted into a uh, laundry room. Mm-hmm. We still own that house, but we don't live in that house. Yeah, and so. I think about converting it back to a duplex, renting it out, and I would be Elena. Mm. Well, I would never be Elena. Let's be clear <laughs> on that. But I can, but I can see that um, it's interesting to see the generational wealth. Yes, that's there. Where we have this house, uh, father, like you said, is a nuclear family. Father's clearly breadwinner. And Elena has a job, but her job is flexible enough where she's like, oh, yeah, we can, we can, um, I can, I can step out and show this house. Yeah. And one unit is already rented. And then even in the negotiations of the house and the space, she's able to knock down mm. to a price mm-hmm. that she thinks um, that Mia could afford because she is not dependent. Elena is not dependent on this income at all. And so that that is further uh, distancing them in terms of class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that and the house was a great way of showing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um, j- just by nature of having the house, like you said, this is pretty much probably mad money. You know, all the mm-hmm. kid wants. You want a new bike? You want to, I don't know what they had back then, a new VCR, whatever. Like, you you can have mm-hmm. that in addition to all your needs being met. Good Lord. And then mm-hmm. I'm thinking, how many other houses like this do you have? You know, we're focused on, on this one because this is where the story takes place. Do you have others? Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And the way that they're dressed, that too, which, okay. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe you can help me out with this. When it comes to... Elena buttoned up with this red coat, very mm-hmm. conservative, and then you have this more relaxed, casual, I'd say even hippie-adjacent-looking 
um, Pearl and Mia, mm-hmm. for me as a black person, I'm like, okay, they look comfortable. But mm-hmm. in 97, renting out a house to a woman who is clearly exuding power and wealth, what does this look like? Like, if would the scene have changed? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I can tell you what it looked like. Hillary Clinton trans- mm. transitioning mm. into Laura Bush. Mm. Thus, white woman power and, and fashion right there. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she was very political. And she is, I mean, Oprah was at her heyday at that time. Yeah. Uh, but Oprah, it was, um, you know, that was book club. Oprah. I'm going to hit it with the Toni Morrison. <laughs> but um, I think that that's probably who she the Tracy Flick grown mm, up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is 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 what jumped out of her you know like this is what powerful women look like it was not of uh, the short skirts of Melrose Place yeah and you know because nobody wore, wore short skirts like that to the office mm-hmm. uh, not at that time they looked more conservative yeah like and you know the Tipper Gores of the world, all all of those things. But the the white women, that's who they held up in esteem. Princess Di at the mm-hmm, time mm-hmm, uh, was very. We, we, she died in ninety seven. Yeah, you know, like July. You know, I think it was July, but in ninety seven. But she was a fashion icon. But you know, she was a royal. So people people in America can be forgiven for not looking to her. Mm-hmm. But since uh, Jackie O. Yeah, women have looked to the first lady for fashion, and I mean, think about how we treated Michelle Obama. Mm, yes, yes, forever first lady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we still look into her because we can't look at anybody else now, can we? Right? Yeah, no, no. That is that is true. That yeah. is true. God, so that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, man. Even clothing is just man. Oh, um. Yeah, so Elena uh, sees Mia and Pearl walking towards the very same car that she reported earlier and feels like shit behind it, uh, which, fine, you should. And... Mm-hmm. <sighs> so just, the overcompensation takes place. Yes. And th- that guilt, that... Uh, I don't know. If I... Yeah, it, overcom... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get real, real political. This is the uh, I'm going to give to Sean King... <laughs> So that I don't feel guilty <laughs> for what the blacks are going through. Oh, <laughs> that same behavior that drives folk to do that. Yeah, that's their mama. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see that, and it's so. Oh, if you want, if if you want an example of, because you could say all day long that. Oh, racist people, they, they raise their kids that way. And I know every TV show and movie, like you can see a, a parent-child dynamic. But if you look at Elena and however you feel about her, and then you see her eating dinner with her family, and you watch her and Lexi, and you don't think this Lexi is walking in the footsteps of Elena, so be it classes, races, uh, the guilt, or whatever. Like, I, I, just, I see in her what I see in Elena. Like, mm-hmm. especially some of the behavior from the next episode with the the um, uh, the letter that Pearl wrote, I just I I see things coming down the pipe. I'm like, man, this is you're the you you are the mini me of Elena, 
Mm-hmm. And everything I don't like about Elena, I'm sure give it 15 years and we're going to see you do the exact same things. Mm-hmm. If not so. The entitlement. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the world is mine mm-hmm. to do with what I wish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, just even the attitude. I mean, the reason why I believe uh, in this episode, um, when you talked about the mat. Mm-hmm. And Elena said, "Where to?" And they found not Elena. Excuse me, Mia was talking to Pearl, and in some conversation, they they say, "Well, this they this house is in the district mm-hmm. for the school that they wanted to go to." Now, Mia is, uh, I mean, Pearl. Excuse me, is obviously um, this very intelligent girl. School is important, and. Um, and so, and this school, as everybody tells you, is the pathway yep. to Ivy League. Mm-hmm. My parents were teachers. They taught in Baltimore City Public Schools. They wanted me to have, my brother and I, to have every opportunity possible. Mm-hmm. In their mind, uh, Baltimore City Public Schools wasn't going to do it. Okay. So, they sent us to private school. And one thing about Baltimore that a lot of people don't know is it is deeply, deeply Catholic. Mm, mm-hmm. And the Oblate Sisters, which is a black nun order, they started educating slaves, enslaved children and free children uh, very early. So they're at this Catholic school system that was open to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that they weren't racist as heck because I got stories oh. a- about it. Um, overt and covert and just a behavior where it's just nuanced and it's there where um, it slices you but you don't bleed mm. like that type of racism mm. and, things. and so you know like I have stories and stories and stories on that type but that's the kind of environment that I was and I was in a college prep program so they didn't say we're going to send you to an Ivy League school if you go through this program but it was inferred yeah that you know, so you this is the place you want to be to set you on a path to greatness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that and so for them that was just like that was just for the um, Richardsons, Elena's family. That's just something they were entitled to. Yeah. Uh, for everybody else, it was a it was uh, we allow you, we bust you in, we yep. allow you this, or you had to move into this district to get it, and um, I don't know. This, the young mother's name who uh, was homeless, but she too tried to be in a better uh, position, like uh, moved in a in a better place, so mm-hmm. that her child could be in a better school. Yeah, and they found out, and they put her in jail. Mm. Mm. You know, so I mean, the the links that parents go to, yeah, to to try to give these uh, their children the same advantages that other kids they have so easily that they don't even recognize what they have. Right. Oh God, you <laughs> you said it. Um yeah, I, I kudos to the actors cuz regardless mm-hmm. to how this show is making everyone feel, I feel like everyone on in every role as far as I've seen has done a damn good job yes. holding up whatever role like th- I just because I, I I dislike Elena I do not like her at all but I 
of course, it's this, the the character herself I just wouldn't like, but I think Reese is doing a good job at making that character so believable that I am emotionally um, moved to not like her. And the same mm-hmm. with me liking Mia and liking uh, you know Izzy to an extent, but it, they feel real. So if nothing else, kudos to the cast for that. Um, I, I, can I say something mm-hmm. about that? Go ahead. I think that one of the things that make that helps is that the the children mm-hmm. are actual children. Yeah. So you didn't just you didn't uh, airmail me a twenty three year old and try to tell <laughs> me that they were fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, you know the and I think that that helps and there and I mean I'm gonna give you just this little spoiler. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any acting weak links. Oh, good, good, good. You know, going through like everybody that you get, I think you respond to in some way, some more visceral ways than others. Mm-hmm. But I do think uh, kudos to the casting person for really and truly getting characters. Because honestly, I went to school with so many Lexis. Mm. I mean, I went to school with nothing but Lexis. A Mm. few Izzy's, but I mean, because they were all girls. Yeah. Moody, the Moody's and the Trips, they were up the street. Yeah. Because that's what they did in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Uh, The boys and girls schools and the Catholic schools, uh, they were separated, but you could easily. Yeah. up the hill to him. <laughs> yeah yeah oh god I, I think you're right because and that's probably why i do not necessarily relate to because i am grown but mm-hmm. why i can take to this show so easily because when i look back on hell just grease the movie grease those 40 year olds were not teenagers but they were oh, playing great. teenagers um what? Oh, can I say this? Yeah. Buffy was on at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Chris McCarthy was 30 if she was a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, trying to pay 17. I mean, she looked good. But yeah, it but was, okay. Buffy was like that. I mean, 90210 was like, that whole was Luke Perry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, that's just, I mean, it, that's just what it was in television. I think that the closest we got uh, of authenticity outside of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, oh, was and even th- then still, mm-hmm. that was questionable, <laughs> was Saved by the Bell. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those baby faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's probably what's doing it for me because I'm, I don't have kids. I have nieces and nephews, and I'm sometimes I'll see kids out in public, but I know my family. I know for me, uh, I think I was like in the middle section of the grandchildren. I was into like sixth grade. I was little, and then I just shot up, and I was taller than everybody else, and I was always uh, taller and more thicker, huskier, fat, whatever, but I have a bunch of cousins that... At 13, they look 13, but at 14, they may have, in the eyes of someone who isn't black, may have looked older and vice versa. Just just so many. So seeing these kids, like you said, look like kids, Mm -hmm. that helps with the believability because they're not 40, 29, talking about my college entrance exam. No, grad school maybe? No. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I do I do like the family, and this is just on in any show or movie. I like seeing families sit down and and talk after a long day. Regardless, that's just something I enjoy seeing. And uh, we go from that to Mia and Pearl, and I like that we're, which I didn't notice before, but we're going. Yes, we're showing two stories, but the way that we're moving back and forth and showing how this family lives versus this family, and for the 
this blackness to be so normal. Oh, I mean, that's not what I'm trying to say. Both family times, quote unquote, feel normal to me. Um, one more so because I'm just used to seeing it on TV and the other because it's like, that's just life. But this thing that I'm relating to with me and Pearl, that that's just life, that is the thing that makes Pearl so, uh, not Pearl, Elena so um, white guilt about it. So sad and, and feeling like this is something I, I should uh, reach out and help rescue them or to um, do my part to uplift. Like it's the, yes. uh, yeah. the white savior complex. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and to the point where, and I, I do want to mention, though I don't really fuck with Elena, her trying to be the savior is making her bite off more than she can chew, which is, mm. to me, says that she's done things like this time and time again. Maybe not exactly like this, and they've always gone her way. And so now you're doing this so cavalierly, so quickly, just to be like, the rent is, is less. Um, I called the police on you, so now I feel bad. And welcome you into my house. You don't know what. So now we're seeing her scramble to try to make sense of or get more get back control of this decision that she's made that she does not have control over. You can't control right. this woman and her daughter. Whew. It goes back to that whole fix-it thing. You know, I saw this thing that was out of place, mm-hmm. and I wanted it to be fixed mm-hmm. and now i have the the now they're in my my yep. proximity and mm-hmm. i had the vicinity to fix it so i'm just gonna fix it mm-hmm. and now and, and, and let me tell you something i don't think that they talk about religion in this uh-huh. but you just know that she was if she was in a church she would have said and i just you know jesus just talked yep. to me yep yep yeah, it told me to just help this lady, and you know, like that's just what she would have done, like, and then told everybody and their mama mm-hmm. about how wonderful I am because look at what I was led to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but did they need it? And mm-hmm. I, when we go further, I I have a, another observation on the parenting yeah. differences and that experience. Ooh, yeah, no, no, that I'm with you. I'm already with you. Uh, yeah, Elena is she's a control freak. Um, mm-hmm. we to the to the extent that her husband, in one scene, is trying to have marital relations with her, and mm-hmm. she has him on a schedule. Now, what you do in your bedroom <laughs> is all you. I'm not. I'm not yucking nobody's jam. I'm not knocking nothing. But I think it uh-huh. just adds to the larger picture of her having to control every single aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Down to, and again. I don't, cause I'm, I, I don't want to walk that line where it feels like I'm shaming nobody or whatever. Listen to my body of work. That's not how I'm thinking. But, but this instance in particular, to the, we see a happy relationship. We don't see that. Oh, he had infidelity or, okay. Let me walk that back. Cause you ain't gonna have sex if you don't want to. I'm pretty much saying she's controlling everything down to her sex life, and mm-hmm. I think that's an issue because it's you controlling it. You're deciding this is the times that we're going to do it. It doesn't feel like a collaborative, we agreed on these three days. It feels like I'm telling you, you got two days out the week. So, I, I can't, I, I, got, I got a few things to say about this. Okay. I'm trying hard not to. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I got, a, I got a few things to say. I'm trying really hard not to go too far into the series. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that, uh, first of all, 
I was not expecting to see Pacey in his drops. <laughs> and so the nasty thing to say is, well, if you had to deal with all that, you'd put it on a schedule too. Oh. Um, the second thing is that, um, I mean, I think it does go to show how regimented she really is. Mm-hmm. And even he was just like, wouldn't it? spontaneous she's like no it's mm. better when we know it's coming mm. um I, I think that that may i mean i think that she's regimented but that may be her feminist statement okay that i have control of my body and um that i that i can say like you just said like you know you don't want to say you know what to do with the body but back then uh bringing in another documentary and the time of it see I, I, I said again mm-hmm. and y'all gonna you be so tired of me saying it <laughs> the, the Catholic all girls school Okay. and so my Catholic all girls school experience was so regimented that they used to make us get on our knees and uh, take a ruler to us to do a length mm-hmm. a skirt length check mm-hmm. I've seen and that. if your skirt was two inches above your knees you was in trouble mm. And uh, because they were so regimented, and it was the 90s, so I was in high school from 94 to 98, um, that was the time where abortion was hotly contested, Mm. where there was, um, there were uh, bombings. Okay. They were killing the, uh, there was, there were some people who killed abortion doctors and nurses, Mm. um, that there were protests about it, and um the Catholic school came down on, they used to make us sign pledges mm-hmm. that said, you will not have sex. Yeah. And if you do have sex, then you will not get an abortion and that you will give the baby to them mm. and oh. they will find out. And they say, Oh yes, they were very clear. You couldn't be married. I, there were about 10 girls or so in my class that left school to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you could not go to my school as a married girl. Mm. Um, but they also made us wear these, what they said were fetal feet on our skirts to mm. be reminded every day mm. about, oh yeah, they were, they went hard. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. So when he talk when you talk about sex and you know, and I'm thinking she's growing up. We're not growing up. She's having marital relations. I mean, she had kids back to back to back. They're mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, maybe that's her way of, if she's Catholic, I don't know. And you know, there's no prophylactics in Catholic and mm-hmm. you have to do the basal body method and other things. Yeah. That maybe that's her way of controlling how many children okay. she and Bill had. Mm. And see, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think, yep, see? Mm. Now that makes me feel it not again. Not that my feelings matter with this woman, uh, this <laughs> fictional one, but that does make me feel better because it feels like she's more in control and more in power. Where I was thinking, oh, God damn girl, you got to control everything. But that's that's something I hadn't even considered, and that's maybe part of my own privilege and my ignorance. Because again, I was a kid at that time, so everything you're saying, I can recall an instance on a TV show, maybe, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't experience those things. So, okay, good. Oh. good. And so the, the uh, um, I started to say that, uh, I think it's on FX, uh, AKA Jane Rowe. Okay. Um, yeah, they there's footage of what they tried to do in, in terms of abortion uh, protests mm. 
and the speaking and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it, uh, if my school would have had their druthers and they could have afforded it, they would have had Jane Roe at that time come mm. and talk to us and and tell us like Damn. So do, oh yeah, they were tripping. That that feels very which I've sworn this show off, but Riverdale, Sisters of Quiet Mercy, where everybody and their mama have been to that like nunnery slash asylum like they made it into some of everything but homegirl who they sent her away for being pregnant. You giving that story puts a lot of context behind that, uh, those events that I don't even think the writers of Riverdale really gave too much a damn about. But that that makes sense. Oh man. Oh yeah. Well, oh. the joke was that the reason why we had so many Catholic schools is because the fathers amongst them, the nuns needed a place to educate their children. <laughs> that was the joke. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't think that was funny, but that was, that was what was said. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. But even... And you know what? With us having the first two episodes and me not seeing anything overtly religious, um, it it may even be everything that you said in addition to not mentioning a religion to pigeonhole into them into them being Christian or them being Catholic. Like, Because overall, by not mentioning it, my imagination from the story you just gave can just uh, impress that upon this family at this time that they have these Catholic values. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, this is getting deeper than I thought. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Now, there's one thing because you've seen the entire series that I am interested in, and it is. Oh, actually, before I get to that. Um, when we cut back between them two and we see Mia and Pearl in the same bed, Mia, Pearl says, I miss being next to you or sleeping next to you. This, to me, implied that some kind of way maybe they were in a um, shelter or did she mean literally sleeping next to you versus not sleeping in a car? Or were they separated and they were only communicating by the wall because they were doing that knocking on the wall thing to mean mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. That... I, I can't say jail because Mia's, I mean, Pearl's a child, but was it some... They don't say. Okay, because this... <sighs> they don't say. And it, it, it may have literally been the physical touch because mm-hmm. if you were sleeping in your, um, in the car seat, there's a console in between it. Mm-hmm. And she's still, I think... At this point in the story, very much my mama's baby. Yeah. And you know, like, you have those kids that'll just cuddle up to you and just want to be up under you mm-hmm. all the time. And maybe that's what it is because they have this connection where it's me and Pearl against the world. Yeah. Yeah. I could see so that. So it could have just been that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that. Messed me up. I was wrecking my brain trying to figure out. Now, they couldn't be in jail together. But, <laughs> mm, like, oof. So, this is the, the thing that I, that's messing me. I'm sure it'll come out later. But Mia on a train, which I, I'm going to say is New York, maybe Chicago, because they're kind of in the Midwest. Um, full of graffiti, full of people. And we see um, Grey's Anatomy, uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like she's looking at him, she sees him, and then he kind of disappears and she looks back and he's there. The train shakes and it wakes her up out of her sleep. Again, I'm only two episodes in at the point of this recording, but that fucked me up. I'm like, okay, is this... Is this Pearl's daddy? Is this some man you was with before? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> See, I'm gonna take that as that's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it's rhetorical because you gonna get your answer. Okay, because and this this happens a lot, well, more than once, mm-hmm. and um, that really interested me. Too. And then not, not finding out that the Mia and Pearl were white, or were not black, rather, in the book. Now I'm like, okay, this man, is this a part of the show? Or is this carried over from the book? Um, in the book, was he also non-black? Um, what about him being biracial, like the actual actor? Does that factor into... Because first first place my mind went was, this is Pearl's daddy. Pearl is a little bit... Though we know in black households, everybody could be a different shade of brown. But for the purposes of the show, uh, Mia is slightly darker than Pearl, who's... In between, like I look, I was connecting dots. I was, I had my yarn from <laughs> this point to this point. Like mm-hmm. I was doing what I could to try to figure out, and I do that to the detriment of anybody who's watching the show with me because I'm definitely always trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> sorry in advance to anybody who watches TV with me, but that's what I do. Um, uh, uh, you know what? Here's <laughs> what I will say to kind of distract you from that point because they 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 gonna tell you. Okay. But the thing that struck me about it, because it is very mysterious and odd, is how vivid it was. Mm, Yes. And I wondered if it was because she's an artist. Mm. So is what we are seeing an actual recollection or an artist's rendering of a Mm. movie? See, there you go. Now I'm... Cause, and, and then again, though Subways probably did look like that back in the back in the 90s, you, coming from this um, suburban, calm, generic space to go into her mind and see all of this chaos, so to speak, of color and people, yeah, you that's, that gives me something to think about. Oh, let me go on a rampage right <laughs> Go ahead. Mind. Go ahead. So... In the late 70s, 80s, going into the 90s, graffiti was not considered art. Mm. It was very much considered vandalism. It was very much everywhere in urban cities. And it just annoys me now that this thing that was belittled and criminalized, mm. much like weed, yep. is that now this thing that is celebrated and because it's, it's beyond tolerated, mm-hmm. celebrated and um, nurtured, yeah, where yeah. where people are commissioned to do to use those spray paints to create artwork somewhere because that is it is now seen as art. And so back then it wasn't. It was strictly vandalism and crime. It it, it was supposed to be gritty. It was dirty. Yeah. It was all these things that were undesirable. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, you know, like to me, I was, it was always problematic. I, I said that I used to get all those magazines in the source. Mm-hmm. They used to have a section where people used to showcase, like you could submit cool graffiti from around the world. Because that was the one place that 
it would be celebrated. Yeah. That I knew of. Of course, there's probably other things, but I was a teenager in Baltimore, so that's what I knew of. But in terms of Mia's dream, and I'm talking about the artist's rendering, mm-hmm. I'm wondering in this white adaptation if all of that graffiti is is trying to give the audience the connotation of dirty, urban, oh. danger type mm. of a thing, and you're seeing him so clearly that that's what he represents to her. Mm. Mm. Or maybe not. No, I mean it could very well be because again, I'm. There's no way I can't watch anything and not be biased because I my lived in experience. So that mm-hmm. I would I would be interested. Any white listeners out there, any biracial listeners, anyone with a white experience, how did you take that scene? Like I I'd like mm-hmm. to know that as well because to me I was like oh yeah that, that was the shit. But listening to you that makes a hundred percent, hundred percent that makes a lot of sense. Um, that they might be what they're trying to impress on us is that this is bad. This is, I mean, from the point where she's woken up by the train shaking, I don't think it crashed, but it kind of jolted and everybody fell out their seat. So there, there's, mm, 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 okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I wonder. Yeah. Let me know what you, what your first thoughts are, y'all. Um, what this dream sequence means to you. Uh, shit. Well, <laughs> um, uh, Moody. Let's, let's get into Moody, uh, who's meeting Pearl for the first time. Um, with Moody being the third child in the sequence and the mm-hmm. one who I feel like him and Izzy both kind of have this shared experience of being the babies and not being in the image of their parents like their older two siblings are but he's giving me more of a towing the line where he's not quite um redhead stepchild as much as izzy but he's still not taken seriously i feel in this family because he's not alpha male in your father's mm-hmm. image type of boy um what are your thoughts on moody um yeah, exactly that. He's very much baby brother to Alpha Trip, who mm-hmm. is the epitome of what uh, white male teenagers were supposed to be at that time mm-hmm. in sports, dating girls, um, and you know, which we know is problematic because mm. not every male uh, is into girls and not every male plays sports. Yeah. But that is what he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Smartish, yeah, ish, ish, <laughs> ish, because I I think that it, Elena, being who she is, that teachers would know what grades were acceptable or not. Yeah. So whether he earned a certain grade, mm. they know that he, you know, that Elena is expecting a certain grade. Yeah. And so, and I, I think that that's probably there, and he's. He like Lexi is coasting on what the what the expectation is. Yeah. Of, oh no, you know, do you want my mom to come and talk to you? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she will. Uh, that type of a deal. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's he's just and see, I would have been in Trip's great. So Trip and I would have been classmates. Okay. I would I would have been like, oh my god, he's here, <laughs> and not in a good way. Like, right. Oh. <laughs> uh, so when I see Moody, he's like the little brother where he I think he realizes 
Did they say why his name was Moody? They did because he was Moody. I don't even know his real name, the character's real name. I can't remember because they said it once, um, but they call him Moody because he was Moody. He was always emotional. Um, oh. Which to me feels like what we mentioned before about, you know, black people and our nicknames, our uh, families give us and friends and whatnot. Um, but I don't think I've ever, and I could have, and I just can't remember, seen a white character on TV or in a movie that got a name like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it and it's, it's so insulting because it's not like, I think the example I said earlier was, oh, you call some girl a cookie because she ate cookies all the time. This feels mm-hmm. very, um, not like an affectionate in name that the family calls you. It feels like an attack. Like, you are a moody, emotional, um, not what you were supposed to be, and this is the name that stuck with you. Ooh, or dismissive. Yeah. That's probably what they've been doing. Like, yeah. okay, here's baby brother. Oh, like, you know, mm-hmm. so he's probably been bossed around or dismissed or ignored yep. or teased, and he was that punching bag. And, you know, it's kind of like they do Izzy, too. They're like, oh, here you go again, yeah. being problematic, whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. But the thing about them is that their their house is large enough where they each have their own room. Yeah. So he, he also has a space to just go away yeah. in his room. Yeah. And not be with them. It's like, oh, whatever. Moody's moody. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just—it's like, oh, you know, Moody's moody. Just dismiss it. Yeah. Oh, I hate that for him because I, I, I can relate to some of these. Ooh, triggered. Yeah. So, uh. so let me ask you this: When we see Moody, is—is he—is this the time where uh, Pearl is putting together her bed? Yeah, sure is. See, this is what I wanted to say about the parenting. That is an important lesson that Mia is passing on to Pearl. Mm-hmm. And the lesson is take what you got and make what you need. Yeah. And to find beauty in brokenness. Mm-hmm. And to be resilient. Yeah. And so it's like we don't we don't have the finances, the resources, whatever, where we can just go in and to Sears or the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And get that canopy bed or whatever else, right. and it's delivered and it's set up. But what I, what we can do is get something equally as nice and just as comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you are putting it together yourself. Yeah. So when you go on your own, you will have so many skills that you know. Because yeah, I tell my boys all the time, I ain't raising no useless boys. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can put something together. It's true. But you can too, yeah. you know, like it's, it's like, get the tools out, figure it out, mm-hmm. look at the instructions, you know, something that I don't even, and when, back in the day when I was in high school, we didn't have home economics. I asked for it. Yeah. Went for it. And, um, here's a quote. I am woman. Hear me roar. I was mm. like, what does that even mean? That's what they said to me. I was like, what does that even mean? I didn't know at the time that there was like that head, that, that heady song or whatever, that there was a song and a thing for white feminists in yep. the 60s. So, but I mean, like literally said to me, I mean, like, like I was problematic for them and I asked and did and said a lot of things, but that one was just like, you, yeah. you, you. 
you know? Yeah. And I, but I was, my homeroom was also in the home economic lab where there was fully set up and functioning ovens, washers, dryers, and stuff like that. But by my senior year, they were talking like, hey, um, you know, one of the things you guys are going to have to learn how to do is wash your own clothes. Uh, and being in class with girls who were like, what? And, yeah. I, and the black girls, we were like, no, really, what? You guys don't <laughs> know how to wash your own right. clothes? Right, yeah. And, you know, like, because you, uh, because, and Elena works because she wants to. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's help. There's been magic helpers around the house mm-hmm. to help you do those things. And, I remember saying, like, shouldn't we learn how to do some things? It was like, you're going to marry a man that should make enough money where you will have help. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, that Because that was yeah. the white existence back then. Yeah. So to have Mia show her daughter how to take care of herself and how to build, which mm-hmm. is even a little extra, is, is instilling an independence and a fierceness in her. Mm-hmm. That I think should be applied. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree because you you've given me flashbacks. There's been uh, <laughs> now I've I've broken a lot of shit as a kid, <laughs> um, learning to do stuff on my own. But one mm-hmm. instance in particular, I remember my mother was working like a late shift, just randomly like one week, and I needed to wash the dishes, and I put liquid dishwasher washing liquid in the dishwasher, which oh. was a whole learning experience. It was, mm-hmm. it taught me better than you giving me instructions ever could. Cause I knew mm-hmm. if nothing else, that didn't go there. So you saying that I, I can remember times was like, no, you need to learn how to do this. You know, put right. that TV up, connect this VCR, do this with that game, clean up. Here's the, you know, vacuum, figure out the, like, it's just a lot of things that are, I'm not even catching. Cause I feel like, with my own experience, this is just stuff that I like. Everything you broke down about Mia and Pearl in this bed, mm-hmm. I knew from living, but watching it, I it just it I didn't even see it because I'm just so used to it. So the mm-hmm. things that are sticking out more to me that I'm I'm finding through this conversation and through watching the show is the white things that are happening that are standing out. Like, what the hell are they doing? Why is she doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing mm-hmm. that? That's interesting. I'm having to force myself to be uh, more aware of the black things that are happening that I'm just used to. So, am I even watching the the full show, or am I just watching half of it? Oh shit! Oh, um, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, no, it it is. Celeste, you did that, sis. So, um. Moody meets Pearl for the first time. They put the bed together. And we get this montage of them hanging out. Now, ordinarily, I'd be like, oh, this is stupid. This is happening so fast. But knowing that we have, what, six or eight episodes of this limited series and that it's based off of a book, so it's it's better contained than most TV shows would be, that doesn't bother me. Did that seem quick to you or did that... How does that... Um... What seemed quick to me is their bonding. Yeah. In terms of, um, I know what Pearl's bringing to the table. I don't know what Moody's bringing to the table. True, true. And that, and so, in in my suspicious nature of him, 
And so I, I mean, I'm just watching him like, well, he, he, that's, I mean, that, that white boy's gonna get her in all type of trouble. Mm-hmm. And yes. and that's that's kind of like, what does he want? I mean, I'm looking at this not in the oh they found each other, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. something is gonna go down because she has no business around them parts. <laughs> now I'll say no I do business. not trust him. I don't trust this nigga. Right. Uh, and, and it ain't even malicious. I don't feel like he's going to go out of his way to harm her. But I feel like just with those two different worldviews and the the privilege that he has, that he that he's, I feel like he's going to be faced with a point in this series where he's going to really have to evaluate his own privilege because he's going to do something or a series of things that seem like nothing to him, which, you know, does happen in this episode, but that really slap Pearl in the face because that's not her life. Um, So I think it may not be malicious, but either way, his very presence is really going to fuck her up or fuck up something close to her or with her her and her mom or something. I I like him because he's the kid and he's, you know, a nice kid, but I don't trust him. He means well. Yeah. But you know, it's it's um I have to get real old school and say what's good for the goose ain't what's good for the game. Say that. And say <laughs> it's just like you can't do what they do. Yeah. And and I don't know if Pearl knows that. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why I'm like, mm, it's suspicious. That's that's when my suspicion kicks in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she knows that. I I think that She's happy to have a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he seems nice, but is, you know, here's comes my inner rain. <laughs> there ain't no black girls you can talk to. I didn't say that because <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, that's, look, you didn't take the words right out of my mouth. Because I can see them initially meeting. It still is kind of hard to get my head around why. Because they are these different races and different genders, and he's coming to them. It's not we bumped into each other and this friendship formed. Because mm-hmm. I think even him meeting Pearl is your whiteness coming into my black space. And you feel like you have the ability to do so, man, because your mama owned this house. It'd be different if he was just riding his bike and just came up on this girl at this house. Like, oh, what you doing? Let me help you. But you, you're, you, you left the house heading here because you knew you could. Right. This ain't where you live. Yeah. And again, Mm -hmm. like you said, I think he means well, you know, because if I look at it on the surface, it's just a kid. He's like, oh, I'm going to meet this other kid. But at the same time, it's not just you meeting another kid because of Pearl being black. And it's the very fact that she's black is something political and it's something that has so many other meanings to the shit that she does much like with him as well so what is an innocent interaction on the surface is much deeper than that because if the shoe was on the other foot or like i said if it wasn't your mama's house this wouldn't have happened you wouldn't have been able to come into these people life like this yeah hmm yeah this boy ah. Fuck him. No. <laughs> but no, I'm with you because once we do see them at the school, 
my thing is, I was very surprised at how many black and brown people there were. Though I did get the impression through Lexi talking about her um, black boyfriend, about um, civil rights and whatnot, that there was a black population at the school. But it is heavy at this school. Like, the shot that we get that frames Moody and Pearl walking through the hallway at the school on the fringe, on the outside framing them, is nothing but melanin. Mm. And mm-hmm. so it's like... But they're bust in. Yeah. From Cleveland. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I'm just like, hmm, that's interesting. It, it's, it is interesting to, to see that and to see who would be welcoming to her. Mm-hmm. And, but I also have to, I'm reminded that, like you said, this was a book and it's only eight episodes. And if she was like, okay, thanks, I want to be with my sisters now, mm-hmm. then there would be no series. Yeah. There would no, be no conclusion. <laughs> so, you know, like we, they have to put them in the orbit so that their lives can be entangled, mm-hmm. intertwined. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think that that's kind of what it is. And I also am wondering, it, in the book, what happens? Because yeah. race is not a factor in the book. Pearl would have been white. Yeah. Well, maybe biracial. We don't know was a father, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't know. But, uh, but, but she would have at least her mom would have been white. So she yeah. would, he would have seen Mia would have been white. Pearl would have been white. Mm-hmm. It would have been the child of her. Yeah. So I think that's the best way of putting it. The the child of mm-hmm. this white woman. No, no, true. So, um, so maybe so like kind of where we're looking at her saying, but there's melon in here, <laughs> um, you know, uh it may not have been thought about because source material yeah. is a non-issue. But, so. it, but even with that, this is everything you just said is the reason, again, I've started this podcast, is because more black, brown, differently able people, you get behind the scenes, behind the script, uh, in front of these cameras, behind these cameras. The more you get that um TV show, movie, web series, or whatever, the more you get our stories being told. This, I know that Pearl and Mia were um, not black in the book. Fine. But imagine if you, when you decided to switch the race of these characters, you said, okay, well, if nothing else, let's see if we can't get Gabrielle Union in here to consult for, I don't know, an hour. Look over this script. You being a black girl, what would you do with this? Or, you know... Instagram or Twitter girl who you know is prominent and has opinions, I I still enjoy it because I've been conditioned to enjoy this stuff. I mean, I grew up watching Friends, Mad About You, Just Shoot Me, Seinfeld. So I can find entertainment, but it's very different from watching uh, Living Single. It's very different from watching Martin. So it's like the, the black person that you get that's written on 90210, if that very same black character gets written onto a different world, they're going to be an entirely different character because you have that authentic voice behind them. So... If, if they're empowered. Well, yeah. 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 You know, I, I will say this. The art that we will that we see, the photographs and stuff like that that we see is done by a black woman. I mm-hmm. think her name is Connie Trudino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know all the writers and staff, but they're... There's clearly some black people yeah. behind the scenes outside of Carrie, um, like creating the depth and the nuance. I think that 
the statement that I, I have like in support of what you just said mm-hmm. is that think of how rich stories could be if if we adapted it in this way mm-hmm. where you had a white character that could easily be uh, made into another culture mm-hmm. and see the what it brings and the depth and the interest just by the virtue of who they are and what they bring to the room and how um you know like an encounter is not just an encounter you know because yep. of all the history that we carry in our bodies and our dna mm-hmm. and you know and i just think that yeah i i mean that's one of the things that drew me to your your podcast oh. is hearing uh you know about that like i said i embed myself with black literature so i get my blackness through books mm-hmm. a lot of it I do see television shows, but, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too far off on the tangent of what I think about our Arrowverse and, and other shows and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. what I'm looking to get from certain things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being real. And so I can say this is completely off the wall, barker stuff that I'm looking to shut my brain off and for complete entertainment. Yeah. So I'm not looking for nuance and yep. depth. And so when you don't give it to me, mm-hmm. I ain't mad. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I forgive and, and every slight and thing like, ooh, wait a minute. I mean, yeah. things that goes on. But for the most part, like you said, I can find some entertainment to it because mm-hmm. that ain't what I'm looking for. So with Little Fires Everywhere, I wasn't expecting the nuance and a depth because mm. the book... Um, I said with the book, you know, like I said, I thought it was White Woman's Delight, and I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> okay. So I, when when you have two titans like Reese and Carrie yeah. at the helm of this, they're going to act, and and again, I saw this because there was I have Xfinity Cable, and there was a watchathon, and mm. so they're trying to get you to subscribe to Hulu, yeah, and it gave you a few shows to to check out uh, Hulu Originals, yeah. And one was a hand-based tale, and I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm familiar enough with it to yeah. say binging this in mm-hmm. so many seasons in this time would not be good for my mental health. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then there was like Future Man. I was like, eh. And I'm a comic book person. Give me all of the sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Give me all of the fantasy. But I saw a few episodes of that, and I was like, Little dude from Hunger Games cursing and swearing and giving me some nudity does not make a great show. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't, they couldn't keep me and I, I saw a few episodes and I wasn't invested. And so there was something else and there was little fires everywhere. And I was like, oh, well, this is just eight episodes, so this is doable. Yeah. And so look how long we've been talking about episode yeah. one. We didn't even have to get through. <laughs> and so all of that that I wasn't expecting is there. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, like, let me go to the hashtag and I want to talk to people about this. And I got thoughts. Yeah. And it's one of those shows where it took me by surprise and I'm just so thrilled with the the entirety of it. So I would love to circle back with you when you see the whole series. Oh, for sure. And to do a a retrospective and say, this is not what I thought it was going to be or this, you know. Yeah here's where we are or this is you know predictions came true all of that yeah because i'm excited i'm excited to go on this dang on ride i was and that's what stopped me from binging i said let me let me do it a, a few days here and there give me time to mm-hmm. 
to miss it and let it marinate because this, mm-hmm. these white folks, <laughs> and they seem so normal. Like, it, nobody seems like they're actively going out of their way to harm anyone, but they're doing things that eventually or some kind of way causes harm. Like, uh, yes, mm. it's the microaggressions. Yes, it's, it's the subtlety of racism. See, everybody likes to think that racism is KKK hoods mm-hmm. and white people shouting, "Go home, nigger," mm. and that ain't all that it is. Right. I mean, that's a part of it, mm-hmm. but that's not all that it is. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's not just it. I mean, really, it's not really racism that we see in the Richardsons. It's white supremacy. Mm. It's the it's the understanding that my culture is the culture. Yeah. It's my understanding that you will follow the rules and do things the way that we prescribe. And you know, you know, white people love some Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh. Why? Because it, the quotables. I mean, they have taken this man in his image and mm-hmm. used him to shame us. Mm-hmm. And say Dr. King would not be happy. Yeah. Like they own him. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't a real person with a real legacy, with real children, with real faults, mm-hmm. with real triumphs. Ooh. And it's just and it's just that. So and I think that, you know, white supremacy, again, is not this uh, birth of a nation. Right. It's the little things like Pearl trying to get into a math class mm. and them looking at at the color of her skin and saying, you can't do it. All right, y'all. So we're going to stop this episode right there. Me and JJ actually talked for it much longer than what you heard. So we'll call this like maybe episode 1A or (laughs) part one or whatever. But please be sure to tune in next time for the second half of the conversation. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. Good stuff. Those of you who watched the show, uh, Big Water Anywhere, use that hashtag, BWAPod. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. It's the handle. All other social media, Carefree Black Nerd. Let us know what you're feeling about the show. Have you read the book? Did you, I don't know, get into the series? Was it boring? Was it entertaining? Like, just just keep us abreast of, of what you're thinking. So, Give me uh, Rain Coleman, Carefree Blurred, uh, JJ is Jupiter Julep 24. Those links will be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, tune back in next time. So um, until then, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the fuck away from these crazy ass people. Please, please. <laughs> All right, y'all.